Wait, I'm excited about this one. I'm more excited uh, about this one than that time when you told me you were going to run off and join the circus. Remember that? Did I tell you that? Back in 78. (laughs) All right. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of what is now the hottest podcast in the whiskey world. Now, that isn't an official fact, just something that someone said to us on our recent trip down to Campbelltown. So it must be true, right, Daz? I think they may have had a few Glen Scotias by that point, Mitch, but yes, I'm taking it. Yeah. So if you guys are new around here, my name's Mitch Beshard, and I'm your co-host. And adding some diamond banter and golden chat for this episode, as always, is the guy the ladies want to be around and all the guys want to be, the one and only Mr. Daz Haldane. Wow, that's quite an introduction, isn't it? You like that, man? You know me, you know me so well. (laughs) Well, look, in this episode, mate, we've got some great questions coming up, actually, from some of the listeners. Uh, We've put a few uh, feelers out there. We've got some really, really good questions. And of course, we're going to answer those as we go through the show. But, mate, it's been a wee while since we sat down and recorded an episode together. Um, The last one I think we did was in uh, Campbelltown a few weeks ago which was a proper mega trip. I loved that. It was, uh, it was actually, it was great to get out and about, but especially yeah. because it was Campbelltown. And that was one of our missions this year, wasn't it? It was kind of a New Year's resolution that we'd signed up to and said, that's what we're going to do. So it was brilliant. And we bumped into some pals. Uh, we've had Becky on the show. We've had Charlie Mack on the show before. We saw them down in Campbelltown. And it was great to meet um, Ian McAllister as well of the Glen Scotia Distillery. So a pretty worthwhile trip, I would say. But as I said, this episode, um, we are going to go old school. It's just you and me, mate. Mm-hmm. You're nervous? And, um, I'm a bit nervous, actually. Yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit concerned about this one because, um, well, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> it just feels like, a, it feels like a first date or something. Do you know what I mean? My my hands are a bit clammy and my lips are a bit tight. <laughs> mate, don't worry, mate. It's, it, it, it's not you, it's me. All right, we'll, we'll get through this. Well, I think let's let's kick it off, Daz. I mean, it's been a while, right? Last time we were hanging out properly was Campbelltown, which I think was about three weeks ago now. Um, So let's chat about what we've been up to. You want to you want to kick this off? Yeah. Well, mate, I actually went along to a wee event at Hotel Devan here in Edinburgh uh, for the Broody Hen, which is the Summer Hall Distillery's first whiskey release. It's a blend. Very easy going, very nice blend indeed. Uh, bumped into a couple of pals there with Samoa, uh, which was really good. And an old colleague of mine, Katie Stollery, um, who's over at Spay PR as well. So it was a, it was a really nice night. I actually met the makers or the, the owners of the brand and caught up with a few folks. So yeah, I really, really liked that. Um, we've dropped nice. the Angus episode as well just at the weekend there, which was which was brilliant. And I, like I, I said in the episode, I haven't seen him for a long time, but he's always got a lot to say. Um, some really good insights and stuff, which was decent. Um, and yeah, obviously the only omission really there, Mitch, was yourself, you know? Yeah, Barred you yeah, for an episode, barred for a week. You did a good job on that, mate. You did a good job. That was nice. Oh, nice to hear all that. Hey. Yeah. What have um, you been up to? The last time I saw a picture of you, you were on a train uh, doing, I don't know what you were doing. You had Phil Keen behind you looking over your shoulder. Yeah. It's, scary. it's a scary thought. <laughs> I mean, the, this month has been absolutely bonkers. Um, Last week was probably one of the busiest weeks I've had in a long time. I've been hosting several tours up in Speyside, um, yeah. which has been just great to do. It's great having people and being able to show them 
sort of the whiskey industry again, you know, with everything opening up. Um, the last one I, I actually did was with a group of guys from London, and I did Glendronach for the first time. Um, I don't know if you've ever been up there, but I had a great experience there. It was mm. so cool seeing that distillery. And the, the the tasting that they put on was was fantastic as well. Uh, my good friend Colin Corson looked after us, who I used to work with at the Glenfiddich uh, Visitors Centre. Used to manage that. He's away at Glendronach now. So I highly recommend that. The other, the other cool thing I did up in Speyside was I went to the bank restaurant uh, mm. with my good friend Ian Logan, who you remember used to be the Glenlivet ambassador. Now he's gone to Duncan Taylor. And Duncan Taylor actually owned that restaurant in Huntley. So really cool to see that and hear about their plans. They got some massive plans for around about that area involving hospitality. Uh, which Brilliant. is which is great to see, but highly recommend both those experiences. Sort of next time you're in Speyside. Um, what else been happening? Well, yeah, I bought a van, as you saw. Copper Cairn has now got an eight seater van that's all branded up, so I'm excited about that. It's proper eighty, mate. It is. It, it's black yeah. on black, like black wheels, black tinted windows, and then the copper branding all over it. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. So sorry, can I just jump in? Right, um, I'd be interested to see what people think of this, but. I've been talking about this for ages about cars. <laughs> I know what you're going to say here. Uh, and w- vehicles, whiskey vehicles, right? So the Bentley up at McAllen, um, I was over at Beaumont not so long ago, had a little spin around in the, the Aston Martin EBX, which was incredible, which um, obviously there was some big news dropped recently um, about their partnership with Aston Martin. We loved the North Star uh, Volkswagen, didn't we? Yeah, it was cool. Van. Yeah, cool. Ian Croucher's vehicle was was pretty cool. The Balvenie, what was that car? That, that was that a Morgan. Old, was that Morgan? That's it. Yeah. That was super, super cool. And the Dalmore have got this beautiful truck up at the distillery, which is usually in a garage, but it comes out every now and then when the sun is shining. Mate, there are some seriously cool whiskey wheels. Mm. And I feel there's an episode in there. The only problem is, is that on a podcast, you don't see anything. So you quite quickly shot me down. But if there is anyone out there who would like us to talk a little bit about some of these whiskey wheels, entertain me, tell me it's a good idea, or just tell me to shut it and we'll get back to talking about booze. <laughs> I, I, I think you've pretty much covered it there. I mean, the descriptions that you've given. <laughs> that's my own question. That was, <laughs> that's another episode, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, but excited to have that, though, because it's been that's been a long time in the making, putting that all together. So it's kind of cool to have it. Um, but I, I kind of, um, I sort of christened it going up to... Uh, Speyside again, funnily enough, but this time it was for the the launch of House of Hazelwood, which we're going to chat about a little bit more in Mm. the news. And I've done two events with them since. I was just down in London, as you mentioned earlier, with Phil Keane, uh, doing the first ever public tasting for House of Hazelwood, which was was really excited to do that. Um, So yeah, mate, it's been crazy busy and it's just getting busier for me right now. I think you're exactly the same. This is just bonkers season at the moment for the both of us. It is. Yeah, it's very busy. It's very busy. Um, what are you drinking? What's in your glass? I have just poured myself a wee Deanston 26-year-old, which was all in sherry cask, um, which isn't an official bottling. It's a little sample from our good friend, Mr. Greg Urquhart, mm-hmm. who uh, gets some nice, sexy samples with uh, Glenn Moore. So, yeah, I uh, I just poured myself one of them, mate, and it's uh, it's delicious. Brilliant. What do you very got? Good. What do I have? I'm actually sipping away here on a Glen Turret 15-year-old, so the 2021 release from the distillery itself. 
I didn't quite realize when I put it in the glass that it comes in at 53%. So it's an absolute beast, but flavor-wise, it's delicious. You get all of those lovely sort of classic sherry cask, American oak sort of vibes coming through. And it's got that really nice, thick, slight sort of dark, spicy quality as well. So mm. yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Actually, I'm, I'm enjoying quite a lot of the Glen Turrets just now. Need to get those guys on, eh? I know John listens and uh, I think Ruri's listened to a couple of episodes as well. So yeah, need to get the boys on and, and tell us a little bit more about what's happening up there because they're doing some really cool stuff. Mate, forget about getting them on. I want to go up for dinner. They've got a Michelin well, star now. Up well, I'm a little bit more, I, I was a little bit more strategic there. I didn't want to say that. That's obviously what we want, um, but I didn't want to say it. But you've yeah, lived in America for so long. You're just so gung-ho these this, days. This is, dude, this is the difference between me and you. You're like the, the very subtle one. I'm the sledgehammer that just comes yeah. in. So John and Colin, if listening, Daz and I want to come up for dinner, make it happen. There you go. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> I'm not associated with Mitch. <laughs> Well, that's fine but then. I'll a, go up for dinner well, if by myself. A plus one, if there's a plus one, I'll happily take it. Of course, of course. I'll, I'll, I'll put my, uh, my integrity aside, Mitch. Daz Mitch's whiskey news of the week. All right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I think the big thing that's that's happened uh, recently is this House of Hazelwood release. So, for those that haven't seen that, check out houseofhazelwood.com. Um, this is the new project by the family from William Grant and Sons, and they've released eight bottles. Now, to kind of explain what's going on here, this isn't Glenfiddich and Balveni that they've taken. These are, are um, casks that they've been sitting on for decades. And to give you guys an idea, the youngest liquid that's going out in this is 33 years old, and the oldest has gone up to 58 years old. So incredible liquid. And they've all got uh, some history, a little bit of a timepiece around what's going on here. And um, it's been really fun looking at this project and uh, helping out with it. You know, like I said, I did, did a, a, a tasting uh, down at the Bulgari Hotel down in London uh, last week and just chatting about this incredible liquid. I, I, you know, one of them is the first ever drops from the Gervin distillery. So it dates back to the 8th of January, 1964, literally the first ever drops from that distillery cool. to go into cask. Yeah. You know, so there, there's there's pieces of history there. There's one called Married at Birth, where it's actually new make grain and new make malt blended together when they first came out, which legally you're not allowed to do anymore. So again, this sort of timepiece of whiskey history within these bottles. Uh, so amazing liquid that's come out from them. Uh, great to see that. What about you, Daz? Um, well, I haven't been drinking whiskies from a different era this week. Um, that, that, that's, uh, I'll leave that sort of stuff to you for the moment. Um, but I thought we should mention uh, Abby at Brucladi, um, who is a brilliant uh, communicator and personality mm. within whiskey. And uh, she's moving on from her role as the UK ambassador for Brucladi. And she's now going to become their global ambassador, which is amazing. You know, there's a distillery that's doing some really, really cool stuff on the sustainability side, on local sourcing and things like that. Um, and it's great to see Abby sort of get out there and, and hit the markets and, and share that story with the rest of the world. So congratulations. It's a massive promotion. Um, it's a cool, cool job. Great distillery as well. So we must get Abby on, mate, for uh, a wee chat about whiskey and crisps. I know that's her uh, two that's her main jam. passions. Yeah, so the other thing that, that kind of caught our eye was this bottle of Port Ellen whiskey uh, that someone discovered 
basically under their stairs in their family home. And it's just fetched a record price at auction. Uh, I think it was 70 grand that it, that, that it got sold for. So mm -hmm. this bottling was actually done for the Queen um, for her visit to Isla 40 years ago. Uh, so yeah. kind of cool, right? Imagine just finding that bottle under your stairs and then selling it for 70K. That'd be all right. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I get excited when I find a fiver in my pocket. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Never mind a 70 gram bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I punch the air and click my heels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, on, on, on the same vein, if we're going to talk a little bit about Port Ellen, I think we should definitely note that the Sotheby's uh, Platinum Jubilee auction, uh, which also has Port Ellen involved, but it's a single cask filled on the 15th of February, 1979. 52.9% much. Mm. And it's got 102 bottles in it. And also a cask of Brora filled in March 1979, 52.8%, uh, 145 bottles, two hogsheads, refill hogsheads uh, from, again, from a different era, being that both of these distilleries have been closed for a, for a fair amount of time now. Um, so they are closing auction this week, which is quite exciting. Um, so probably by the time we jump on together and do another episode, we'll, we'll have the we'll have the final tally for how much these go for. Let's do it. Let's think, do a guess, as what do you think? What what they're going to go for? Okay, I was chatting to somebody about this today. So the lowest sort of reserve price, I suppose, is suggested to be around seven hundred k per cask. Wow. Um, I think I think it'll go two and a half for both casks. For both casts, 2.5 million? Yeah, all in. All in. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go 2.9. Ooh, going high, Mitch. Yeah, well, things are going nuts right now. You know, we're talking about know. the cost of living prices and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't seem that way for the high-end people. Um, there's also a deferred bottling option, which is quite interesting. So if you buy it, you've got another five years to let it age on, which is quite interesting because quite mm -hmm. often you've got to be careful with whiskies of this age, but they've held their strength very, very well. Um, so that's quite an interesting one. So Mitch, look, here's the thing. Let's go halfers. Okay. And we can age it on for five years and then we can punt it to someone with loads of cash that's we could buy another van with at the end. I mean, you know, that's for, for us, that that money, that's like uh, one episode of sponsoring the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fej Isle was last week. I was supposed to be at Boona Haven. My sincerest apologies to um, Scott and Cam. I couldn't make it in the end. And of course... Um, their master distiller. We must bow in, in his presence, Mr. Brendan McCarran. Um, Because I couldn't make it in the end. Uh, my little man wasn't very well. So um, that's unfortunate. So we uh, never made it over. I would love to have been there. And, and actually, I picked up on Nick Morgan's piece on Fej. I don't know if you read this. Mm, and I, I did, a, yeah. a few people will have read this. Quite interesting how Fej really kind of started much more as a kind of cultural celebration. And it's now seems to have been hijacked buy whiskey and people who are going to get these bottles to do whatever it is that they want. And my takeaway from Nick Morgan's piece was that there's a huge amount of greed now involved in these whiskey festivals that wasn't really the intent. Um, and maybe that's worth a, a wee review. So a very thought provoking piece by Dr. Nick and, mm. um, and actually a few really, really, in, uh, really important points I think he made as well. So uh, definitely want to check out guys, if you haven't checked it out, who was it for? Was it Master Remote? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think it, it was interesting reading the comments underneath it as well, because there was a few people from Isla that commented on that. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, thought, I thought it was like 50-50. Some of them were like, well, it's great that it's happening and it's, it's given it more, I suppose, advertising. Yeah. But then other people were like, yeah, well, it was our 
our festival back in the day and it has got a little bit crazy now. And, you know, mm. I've never been to Fez and one of the reasons is it just doesn't appeal to me. It just, it, it looks too crowded. It looks too crazy. And I, I've got no uh, appetite to actually go over there. I love going to Isla, but not for mm. Fez. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I felt that there was, having been to quite a lot of these festivals, there was a nice element of naivety and sort of brilliant sort of freshness to the Campbelltown Festival. And it wasn't like that. It wasn't a stampede, even at Springbank, which everybody's clambering about. I saw Royal Mile Whiskies stopped selling that online now. They're only selling Springbank to the trade, which is quite interesting because of the clamor around Springbank. But we never really saw that particularly. People were queuing up early and all that kind of stuff, but we, we didn't really see it getting too ugly, I don't think. Oh, we haven't got a jingle for this. We, we should sing one. We should sing a jingle. Do you want me to sing it? Go for it. Ask me what you want, what you really, really want. Ask me what you want, what you really, really want. I want to, uh, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, I really, 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 really want to answer all your questions. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So um, good intro there, Daz. Thanks. What we've done this week is we've put some uh, questions out to you guys on social media just about things that you want us to answer and whether that's based on the podcast or just simply things that you've been thinking about uh, with regards to whiskey. So we got a load of them in, Daz. This is, this is kind of cool. Thank you so much for everyone who uh, who took the time and the effort to write in. I was quite surprised by the response. I'm not going to lie. Yeah? I, don't, well, I didn't think there would be as many questions. I certainly wasn't expecting the volume of abuse that I received uh, personally from people like yourself and <laughs> I'd like to call it Becky Paskin as well. Um, it was, you know, I thought quite uncalled for, to be honest, but that's fine. That's I'm, I'm okay. I'm quite resilient. Yeah, yeah, that was quite amusing. Right. So let's kick this off. First one was from Scott Hamilton. Have you mm. thought about YouTube live for episodes? This, so is, Scott, you. this is your area of expertise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we've talked about this a few times um, and yeah, we'd like to do it, but I, I think... You know, this year we've just been concentrating on putting the po podcast out via audio. Um, so I think it's one of the things that we want to do in the future. And we definitely want to do the the, the live versions that we're doing, mm. stream them live via, you know, YouTube live or Instagram live. That's that's the kind of idea moving forward. So, Scott, yes, it's definitely something that we've uh, thought about. We've talked about whether we're going to do it straight away. Definitely not, but maybe next year. Nice. Um, Scotland on the shot, Mr. Urquhart. Um, can you share the vast amounts of free samples? Share the wealth. Well, my friend, you have given Mitch a 26-year-old Deanston and you haven't given me one, which I'm not happy about. There you go. That's kind of ironic yeah. that he wrote that. That's one of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking one of his free samples yeah. that he gave me. I know, I know. So Ben Marnock, this is an interesting question because this, I think could be a whole episode uh, by itself. So question is chill filtration. Does it make a difference and should it be on the label as standard? So just to explain, maybe some people don't know what chill filtration is. Basically, when you have a bottle of whiskey, you can put it through, you can go down two paths. Uh, the first one is to pull out a cask and, and basically put it into bottle. Uh, maybe you add a little bit of water to it, take the ABV down and that's it. The other road you can go down is finish your whiskey uh, and you put it through a process called chill filtration. And normally that's going to be whiskeys that are at 40 to under 46% there or thereabouts. 
Uh, and what happens here is you push your whiskey through a series of filters that are like coffee filters. You bring the, the temperature uh, of it down, and that takes out all these fatty acids, these kind of esters within the whiskey. Uh, so that kind of sums up chill filtration. I think that was pretty good in about 30 seconds there. Yeah, um, not bad. I, 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 it definitely has an impact on texture. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, when you take out, and one of the reasons that we started to chill filter whiskey, and I always tell people this, is that the American market, you know, they started adding ice, they started adding water, um, all this kind of crazy stuff that they do over there, soda water, obviously, and the, the whiskey went cloudy. So the reason we started chill filtering whiskey is just to keep its consistency of color uh, so it doesn't have that effect. Do I think it makes a difference? Absolutely, on the, on the color of it. Do I think the audience, the Scotch whiskey audience, the general public that, that doesn't necessarily have that, that vast amount of knowledge is ready for that? And are they going to understand what's happening to their whiskey? I don't think so. We're, we're almost yeah. there, but I don't think it's quite there yet that we could do it to all whiskeys. Um, but yeah, I mean, should it be on the label? I think most whiskey, well, yeah, most whiskeys I see a lot of them put non-chill filtered because it's a little bit of a boast for them, right? Yeah, I think so. It's one of those little details, you know, it's the, the fine tuning, if you like, you go and buy a car and it says it's a turbo diesel injection, you know, and it gives you a little bit more information, V8 mm. or whatever. I always think those details on a bottle are a little bit like that. You know, does everybody know what V8 means? Not really. Does everybody know what chill filtration means? Not really. But what it does imply is that there's a better performance in there because of that, you know, and, and, and so people do look for it quite often, I think. And it's one of those, you know, it's a, it's a small thing. But I think texture-wise, which we don't talk enough about in whiskey, and I always say that, um, it does have an impact on texture. They say no, no impact on flavor. And they've done lots of tests and there's lots of scientists who would agree with that. But I do think texture is a different thing from flavor. Yeah, 100%. That's a good, good, good car analogy. You're on fire with the uh, automobiles tonight. That's me. I know. I'm rolling back the years. Eh? I used to be a bit of a car head when I was younger. Uh, Henry Pritchard um, has dropped us a line, mate. Uh, he's actually asked us a couple of questions. And one of the questions he's asked, I like it, is uh, what would you like to see from whiskey over the next few years? And certainly from my point of view, Mitch, there's two things I would like to see. There are quite clearly a, a large number of very small but very thoughtful independent bottlers who are bringing out some really, really cool stuff. Um, and the stuff that you're working on with the House of Hazelwood's a great example of that. Stuff I'm involved with on Fabo. We talked to North Star. Angus we had on last week. I want to see more of that. Get access to some of these weird and wonderful novelty casks and things. All into that. And the other thing I'd love to see is well, I'm really looking forward to seeing, I'm not sure it's a change, um, but something I'm looking forward to seeing is some of these new distilleries, how they evolve, how they develop. Will they all survive? Will they change hands? You know, that part of the industry is so fascinating and quite unpredictable, I would say, you know? Yeah, I'd agree with all of that, mate. It's a great shout. And he also asked another question, which is, what would you consider to be a unicorn whiskey? Oh, fair care, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if he's he's asking what sort of brand, what particular expression. Um, I, I think what he's alluding to is, yeah, what a whiskey that's just one of those that you've maybe held once or tasted once. What, you know, have you have you tried any of those unicorn whiskeys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I always define it as either a distillery that no longer exists. Or um, it's it's a really rare one that was a one-off. Um, I, I think I just talked about a few of them with House of Hazelwood. They're going to be one-offs. 
eight bottles. You know, that the, the Gervin one that I was chatting about, 71 bottles worldwide, and that's it. So yeah, that's yeah. definitely a unicorn whiskey right there. Um, uh, you know, other ones, when they get up to, I just tried an 80-year-old, mm-hmm. which was absolutely insane. That was the Gordon McPhail, Glenlivet expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you were drinking that in Miami, right? Uh, yeah, I was. Did I tell you I was yeah. in Miami? Yeah, I just went, popped uh, over yeah, to the Grand Prix, it. mate. Uh, was it the Grand Prix, was it? Oh, uh, another car thing, eh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just call this Not Another Car Podcast. <laughs> mate, if we called it that, maybe you'd remember to put car in it. I, I know, I know. And put know. whiskey in the name. Yeah, that's funny. Um, um, but yeah, what about you, Daz? What, what unicorn whiskey you had? I mean, I've tried a lot of the very old McAllen's over the mm. years. Um, I've tried some of the rebottlings as well, some of the stock that was bought back from Ben Yoni. Uh, which was really fascinating, 1927 Macallan, uh, which was bottled in, I think, 1971, something like that. And that, that was really, really fascinating to try. I do, I remember tasting it like it was yesterday. It was a really, really special whiskey. I thought it was beautiful. Um, so there's definitely a few Macallan examples I've had. Um, I've, I've had a couple of Little Mills recently, which I've absolutely like, really, really enjoyed, sort of plus 30 years old, distillery that will not come back. Uh, and and in our years, many years ago, Mitch, we tried quite a few just <laughs> Broras and Rosebanks and Port Ellens over the years as well, didn't we? So yeah, yeah. yeah, very fortunate. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Your definition's a fair one. Distilleries that are no longer here, very rare whiskies, or uh, I would say very very old whiskies. That doesn't mean they're better, um, but they are what you would call unicorn whiskies because very few people will have tried them. And then we got one from Whiskey Graham. Um, which distillery are you excited stroke? looking forward to trying new make spirit from for you um, I know i'm going to answer your question Derek, for you all day <laughs> hey let's not talk about marco man you might be listening might come yeah, and beat us up he'll come and get you yeah um yeah i mean i think to answer that i've been fortunate enough to try a lot of the new make spirit from some of the new distilleries out there and some of the, the kind of new releases and I'm excited about all of them. I'm excited, I'm excited to see how they age, actually, because they're all pretty good right now, apart from the one you just mentioned. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, just coming down, just coming back up from Campbelltown, I think the two new distilleries that are opening up there, I'm excited yeah. to see what those guys are going to do and how that spirit is going to um, either be completely different from what you expect from a Campbelltown, or if they're going to go down the same road and and still have those 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 Campbelltown maritime oily notes that you associate with that region. Yeah, I'm going to go Harris Distillery because when we were there last, Great they show. were running only their second uh, smoky run. I think it was one of their earliest uh, runs of of malt as well. So uh, I'm really really keen to try that. That still house smelled like it was like a big roast gammon with honey all around it. You know, it had such a beautiful aroma yeah. in the still house. We never tried the new make. I don't think on that day that was running off the stills. So I'd be really keen to get back to Harris Distillery and give that a bash. So that's probably the one top of my list just because it was such a vivid aroma uh, when I think back to when we were there, mate. Yeah, it's great, great shout, great shout. All right, so the good news is because we've had so many questions, it means we can have another dram, mate. It does. I just poured myself a wee uh, Balvenie 16, the new French oak finished in... Uh, Pinot cask. You ever had Pinot before? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, quite interesting one there. And that, that was cool because it's a friend of mine, Lauren Cousin, who is still uh, an ambassador with William Grant and Sons. And he actually mm-hmm. went to David Stewart and started talking to him about Pinot. And was like, mm-hmm. you know, I used to drink this all the time in family holidays when I was over in France. 
you should have a look at the casks. He took that on board and that's how it was born. Um, so quite surprised at the age statement on it, to be honest. What, the 16? Yeah. It's punchy mm. as well, 47.6. So nice to see Balvenie putting something out at that age, at that ABV as well. What did yeah. you crack? Mate, I, I just went for another 15 and I opened my can of Lark Fire, sprinkled a bit of water in there just to bring it down a touch and a can of beer. There we go. Because I'm a legend. We, should we get mm. back on with the uh, the questions, mate? Let's do it. Yeah, let's carry on. Carry on. Swally Ali. Um, Swally Ali. Ali, hope you're well, mate. Um, cracking out the chumpy... Let's. <laughs> it's not very easy after two whiskeys, Mitch. Um, <laughs> cracking, cracking whiskey out of a chunky tumbler or an average whiskey out of a Glencairn? Well, this is a very easy answer for me. I don't know about you, Mitch. I don't really understand the question. So is he asking cracking whiskey out of chunky... T- so he's asking what... Do I What's prefer drinking what glass? Out of yeah, I, Mitch. This, I, so let me let me just make this very simple for you, Mitch. Uh, do would you, you prefer a, a Glencairn glass or, or a Glencairn glass? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's take whiskey out. Thanks, I know Ali. that's confusing for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always say for me, it's like I say to people whenever I'm doing a tasting, there's two ways of drinking whiskey, and um, one of them is when you're sitting down analyzing it when you do as you do with the tasting, uh, which you have to have, in my opinion, a Glencairn. Uh, but then if you're just sitting about hanging out in a bar, sitting watching a movie, then 100% rocks glass, maybe even a couple of ice cubes now and again in there, uh, depending on the, the ABV, some water. But, you know, it's I, I think if you're just sitting relaxing, watching a whiskey, like a rocks glass is, is just great for that. It just yeah. feels nice. Um, Glencairn for me doesn't feel nice if I'm sitting relaxing, enjoying a whiskey. That's fair. What yeah. about you? Me, I, I am going to go for rocks glass all day long. I like mm. all of my whiskeys out of a rocks glass. As I, I think I've mentioned this before, I, I really like whiskey on ice. So yeah. I, I very often have it in a rocks glass for that reason. You know, I always chuck a couple of cubes in, especially if I'm at home um, and it's a wee bit earlier in the, the evening or whatever. Mm. Yeah, so no, good question, Ali. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. We'll send you a wee picture of us uh, enjoying from, from a, a rocks glass. And great good whiskey great, in a rocks glass. Yeah. Great question, Ali. Shite phrasing of the question, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> simpler, simpler terms for Mitch, please. Yeah, yeah. Just break it down like like you know, baby speak. That's what that's yeah. what goes well with me. Words over whiskey has asked us uh, what are some of your favorite whiskies from other countries other than Scotland. Now you've I mean you've got the benefit, you've lived in a few countries now, Mitch. Well, I was gonna say not. Aside from that, we we did a wee episode on this, World Whiskies. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't checked that one out, go back and have a look at it. We went through... It's very good, Mitch. That's very professional of you. You, you like that little tie in there, Daz? I did. Well done, mate. A little promo for the show. Uh, yeah. What did we do in that? We did Welsh whiskey. We did Japanese. Solo from Mexico. Mexico. Czech. Gold cock. What was that called again? Gold cock. Gold cock, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think there's some amazing whiskies from around the world that's happening right now. I've never had a bad Japanese whiskey. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I've had, a, I've had a Japanese whiskey that I've gone, it's not to my palate, but- Because most of it's made in Scotland. It's, yeah, exactly. But I, I've never had one that I've gone, oh, that's, there's something wrong with that. So that's definitely up there. Uh, I'd say some of the Aussie stuff that's coming out right now. Yeah, I, I, I've good. definitely tried some brilliant Aussie whiskeys. A couple of Star Wars have been brilliant. Um, yeah. We we did a tasting recently, didn't we, with Craig from from Lark, 
and some of that stuff like he he ta- he let us taste was was superb and I know there's more out there as well definitely my two standouts Stowning uh, over in Denmark mm. they're doing some really really cool stuff um chaos is a product I've tried a couple of times and I really like um really interesting uh and the other is Westlands I absolutely love Westlands I met the guys not that long ago just at the end of last year met them in the gate actually in Glasgow at the pub and uh sat and we went through four or five Westlands and it was guys from the distillery it was absolutely superb really 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 good single malt a lot of it uh, bringing back different barley types uh local and native wood species to the area there in Chinkapin the sort of north. release was fantastic I remember trying yeah. that yeah and they've done some really cool stuff and they're very much of the place. That's what they're all about up there in Seattle. So yeah, huge fans of what those guys are doing. So th- those are my kind of, probably my two picks that I, mm. I'm really excited about when I'm looking for whiskeys or looking to pick something up. Those two distilleries I'd be looking at. But I think it's so interesting now. I mean, we're, you know, we're getting, getting to the point where there's so many whiskeys from around the world that are coming out. And it's, you know, that old saying, you know, I think Angus said it, it's like, a, you know, a rising tide and all that, all that good stuff. It's, it's, it's yeah. just going to bring up the, you know, the, the, the kind of look of whiskey uh, for, for everyone. And that's going to get people, if they start Australian whiskey or if they start American whiskey, they're eventually going to find their way over to, to Scottish yeah. whiskey. So it's, it's definitely a good thing for the industry that, that other countries are now doing it. Yeah, definitely. Good question. Words over whiskey. Very good. Mm. That was a good episode. That was really good to catch up again. Um, nice to get questions, actually. We, we've, uh, it'll be interesting, actually, just to get people's view on that. Like We always wanted to get people involved that were listening and get them to chip in on topics and questions and stuff like that. And uh, other than the live, this is maybe one of the first times I think we've actually managed to do it really, really good. And I have to say, like spending a little bit of time with you again after a few weeks, it wasn't as painful as, as I thought it was going to be, to be fair. Thank you for the uh, underhanded uh, compliment. I don't know if that was that a compliment or not. It was funny, like, so get this right. Uh, I did a I did a, a private tasting recently, and I, I had my daughter Kobe come and help me out. Uh, you know, who's now sixteen, so she can legally do all that kind of stuff. Obviously, she didn't pour any whiskey. I did all the pouring of the whiskey, uh, but she sat through my tasting and talk about like an underhanded compliment at the end of it. She went, "That wasn't as boring as I thought it was going to be." <laughs> Is that what she said? That's so good. I was like, yeah, thanks very much, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking for a new host for this show, Mitch. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, no, it was really cool catching up with you because I think, you know, one of the things that we've always done with this podcast is try and do it for the, with the two of us. And we get a lot of guests on, which is great. And, you know, we're always very grateful for all the guests that come on the show. And it's, it's, it's fantastic to have them on. But it's good for you and I just to sit down and, and have some banter now and again as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, Daz, I think you went solo again. We might have to just talk, call it the Daz show from now on because uh, you did the, the the last one solo as well, right? Or the next yeah, I one, I should say, that's going to come on. Yeah, well, I did the last one with Angus. And the next one we have is with um, Chiara Giovanacci, who, who's going to tell us a lot about uh, Buna Haven, a distillery I absolutely adore. I know you're a big fan as well, Mitch. I mean... Some of my favorite whiskeys from Isla usually come from that distillery or Kalila. You know, it's um, some brilliant stuff going on. So it, it took, I think I mentioned this actually on one of the previous episodes. It, it, this conversation with her actually took a slightly different direction to what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was all going to be about Fez releases and all that kind of stuff, but it actually went much more into the development of the distillery, the energy sources, sustainability, and all of that, which was 
fascinating. So yeah, really, really good, really cool catch up with Kiara. Uh, so tune in for that and hear nice a little one. bit nice more one. about what's happening at Bunahaven. Man, I'm looking forward to hearing that one because I haven't listened to that yet. You've sent me it, but I haven't listened to it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good one, mate. And when are we doing our next live version of the show? We need to get that sorted out as well. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to aim for the festival, aren't we? Indeed. The Edinburgh Festival. We need to do Which something Which is in August. So yeah, it's in August. Get... It's not far away. It was like the last time it, come, it comes by fast. So uh, some holidays out. out the way and then we'll get uh, get organized. Yeah, I've caught up with a couple of guys about it. So um, stay tuned. Stay tuned, Mitch. That, that's all we're going to tell you about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. That's uh, me and Daz done for tonight. We've uh, chatted way too much to each, for each other. You know, that's uh, probably our month's quota of hanging out with each other <laughs> right yes. there, right, Daz? See you next month, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening and see you next time. See you soon.